We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter number 12 this morning, and uh, we are going to read a few verses this morning that will help us gain the thought of what we want to cover, and then of course we'll be looking at other verses uh, this morning. Our entire text this morning in the book of Ezekiel is Ezekiel chapter number 12, verses 1 through 16. We won't be reading all those verses to get started. To get started, we are only going to read verses 3 through 7. Ezekiel chapter number 12, verses 3 through 7. And again, we will be focusing in the morning message on verses 1 through 16. So Ezekiel chapter 12, verse number 3. Therefore thou son of man, and of course when uh, the Bible reads here son of man, it's talking about Ezekiel, right? Therefore, therefore thou son of man, Ezekiel, prepare thee stuff for removing, and remove by day in their sight, and thou shalt remove from thy place to another place in their sight. It may be they will consider, though they be a rebellious house. Then shalt thou bring forth thy stuff by day in their sight as stuff for removing. And thou shalt go forth at even in their sight as they that go forth into captivity. Dig thou through the wall in their sight and carry out thereby. In their sight shalt thou bear it upon thy shoulders and carry it forth in the twilight. Thou shalt cover thy face and thou see not the gr- that thou see not the ground. For I have set thee for a sign unto the house of Israel. And I did so as I was commanded. I brought forth my stuff by day as stuff for captivity. And in the even I digged through the wall with mine hand. I brought it forth in the twilight and I bear it upon my shoulder in their sight. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. The title of the message this morning is Stuff for Captivity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and kindness. We thank you that, Lord, though we be sinners and, uh, Lord, our standing is right and sure in your sight, we are reminded, Lord, that we daily sin against you. And, Lord, we thank you that we can come and confess our sins and have assurance according to what John wrote that we uh, are cleansed and we're cleansed by the blood of Christ. And Lord, I thank you that there is forgiveness with thee. I pray this morning, Lord, as we consider this message from the book of Ezekiel, that you'd help us to ponder it as it relates not only to our own personal lives, but to our churches, our families, and to our nation. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see what God wanted the people of Judah to see as Ezekiel was commanded to carry stuff for captivity. Lord, I pray that you'd have mercy upon us and meet with us and accomplish your goodwill and purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stuff for captivity. Perhaps there is no more interesting character in the Bible than Ezekiel. Ezekiel's name literally means God strengthens. And Ezekiel, in the ministry that the Lord had given him, would in fact need God's strength. Ezekiel was the prophet of the Babylonian captivity. He was taken captive in 597 B.C. in the 
second invasion by the Babylonians. This was before the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. when the city was burnt and the temple was burnt to the ground. Ezekiel was 25 years old when he was taken captive and he began his ministry five years later. Ezekiel was literally set as a watchman to the people of Judah in captivity, signaling the coming doom if they did not repent and do the will of God. Now in our text, Ezekiel would literally be called to take his stuff for captivity. You have to love a Bible verse that uses the word stuff, right? We use that term all the time, stuff. Where's my stuff? Well, Ezekiel here was called literally to take his stuff for captivity. This perhaps might appear to be a difficult passage to understand if you haven't studied it and we just read it here and you're like, what in the world is going on here? What is the deal with stuff for captivity? Well, God had, we know, pronounced judgment on Judah because of their sinfulness. God had determined that Judah was going to be carried into captivity by the world power Babylon, that they would stay in captivity for 70 years, but then because of God's love for His own people, He would restore them to their land. The problem is that Judah wasn't getting the message. Judah was not complying with the direction that God had sent by the word of his prophets. And uh, Ezekiel was a contemporary prophet of Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied to the Jews that were in Jerusalem. uh, Ezekiel was was a contemporary of Daniel. Daniel was carried captive in the first invasion of the Babylonians into Jerusalem. And Daniel's ministry was to the royal court in Babylon. And so All of these messengers are giving the message of God to Judah and they're not getting it. Sometimes God has to speak to us multiple times through multiple sources because we aren't getting the message. Think about that today as it relates not only to our own personal lives but to our families, to our churches and surely to our nation as a whole. We don't get God's message. And so what's he do? He says, well, you know what? You're going to need to prepare stuff for captivity. This is the message that Ezekiel was called to deliver in a way that only Ezekiel could. So I want us to look this morning at three components to Ezekiel's mission to take stuff for captivity. And again, this is going to cover verses 1 through 16 in Ezekiel chapter number 12. Notice the first component. We see Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness. Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness. The second component, we see Ezekiel's call to serve as a sign. And then the third component in Ezekiel's mission to take stuff for captivity, we see God's commitment to His specified sentence. God's commitment to His specified sentence. Let's begin by looking at the first component. 
This is found in verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel chapter number 12. Here we see Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness. Now, just to refresh your recollection again, remember that Judah is the southern kingdom of Israel proper. When the kingdom was divided between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, ten tribes went to the north and uh, formed the, the kingdom of Israel. And then two tribes went to the south and formed the kingdom of Judah. And so Israel was taken captive. The ten tribes that were uh, composing Israel were taken captive by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. God has had mercy upon Judah. Judah had multiple godly kings, and yet we find that at this time, Judah had broken away from the Lord and their sinfulness was rampant. God had pronounced this judgment upon Judah that they would be taken captive by the Babylonians because of their sinfulness and Judah was being disciplined by the Lord due to their sin. Now, as we think about Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness, how is their condition described by the Lord? Well, first of all, their condition is described as one of rebellion. One of rebellion. Let's read verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel chapter 12. Notice in in verse number 1, The word of the Lord also came unto me, saying, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not, they have ears to hear and hear not, For they are a rebellious house. We see Judah's sinful condition as it is marked by rebellion. What is rebellion? It is is literally defined as open resistance to lawful authority. That's what rebellion is. Satan rebelled against the authority of God because, read in Isaiah chapter 14, He wanted to be God. He wanted to be in charge. He rebelled. And by the way, I say Satan is the angel Lucifer, uh, of course. But he rebelled against the lawful authority of God. uh, Children rebel against the lawful authority of their parents. Citizens rebel against the lawful authority of their government. Rebellion is an egregious sin. It is open resistance to lawful authority. God had lawful authority over His people, Judah, and they rebelled against His rule. Twenty-three times in the book of Ezekiel, a form of the word rebel appears in the book. It's either rebellious or rebellion. Uh, Twenty-three times. That will tell you something about the condition of Judah as they they are described as a rebellious people. I want you to turn back a few chapters in the book of Ezekiel to Ezekiel chapter number 2, and I want you to notice the description that God gives of Judah. We're talking about this first component of Ezekiel's mission to take stuff for captivity. We see that he is called to deliver this message, and he is called to deliver it to a sinful, rebellious people. Notice Ezekiel chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 1. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse number 1. 
How hath the Lord... Excuse me, I'm in the book of Lamentations. I went back a little bit too far. Ezekiel chapter number 2, verse number 1. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. Now watch. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. What does the word transgress mean? It means to break the law. And in this instance, breaking the law of God. They sinned against God in rebelling against Him. And then notice verse number 4. For they are impotent children. The word impotent here means severe, grievous, cruel, stubborn. And I like this definition. In trouble. <laughs> you ever you remember a kid in school? He said, man, that kid was always in trouble. Man, I mentioned a guy I went to Army basic training with. Uh, I don't remember his first name, but Cavazanzian from New York City was the name. And that guy was always in trouble, man. Every time we looked around, he's in trouble. He rebelled against the authority of the drill sergeants. And guess what? It didn't work out too well for him. And it's not going to work out too well for Judah. They are, are grievous in the sight of God. They are stubborn in resisting the lawful authority of God Almighty. So notice in verse number 4, For they are an impudent children and stiff-hearted. The word stiff-hearted literally means bold, violent, and loud. This is not painting a good picture of Judah. You don't get the idea that Judah was a model citizen in the economy of the Lord. You don't get the idea that they were seeking what God wanted in their lives and trying to find out what the will of God was. No, they were resisting the lawful authority of God in doing their own thing in transgressing the word and will of God. Now watch. He says in verse 4, I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and whether they, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are rebellious. It's almost like the Lord has to remind Ezekiel, "Hey, <coughs> I'm sending you to this people, and uh, whether they listen to you or not." By the way, remember they are rebellious. It's almost like the Lord has to remind them. He says, "Yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them." And in other words, they are going to know that God has sent Ezekiel. And the message that they are rejecting is the message of God through His prophet and messenger, Ezekiel. Verse number 6. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks. Here it is again. Though they be a rebellious house, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they were here or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee, be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Now let me ask you this. You think Judah was rebellious? How many times did God mention it? 
in just these eight verses, they were a impudent, stiff-hearted, rebellious people. They were a people of idolatry. Open idolatry and idols of the heart. Their religious and their political leaders were corrupt. God took Ezekiel uh, into the temple and showed Ezekiel all the secret filthiness that was going on in the house of God and how that the religious and political leaders were vile in the sight of God. How is it today? I just was, I told Darlene, I, I couldn't believe this, but really I shouldn't have been surprised. Uh, Tennessee Pastor Willie McLaurin. Did you all, did you all hear this? Does that name ring a bell? Tennessee Pastor Willie McLaurin was the head of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee until last Thursday. You know why he's no longer the head of the Executive Committee? This guy falsified his resume. He put down on his... This is a pastor, people! He put down on his resume that he graduated from three different schools and he had a theology degree. And guess what? The Southern Baptist Convention were considering him to be president of the SBC and they checked his references and this guy didn't graduate from any of those schools. This is the the head of the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. You think that things aren't the way... Do you think that things aren't today the way that they were in the days of Ezekiel? They are. They are. There's idolatry and corruptness. People today, particularly in our nation, and we can talk about worldwide and globally, are rebelling against the Word of God. So, we're considering this first component of Ezekiel's mission to take stuff for captivity. We see Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness. We see that it is displayed and shown by their rebellion... And I'm going to use a term right now that I want you to just hold on to your seats. I am not using this term as a pejorative comment. I am not using it flippantly as a way to describe somebody by mocking them. But here's the term. Retardation. Retard- Do you know that retardation is a, it's a, it's a, it's a physical and mental condition that has nothing to do with making fun of somebody or calling somebody a, uh, you know, a word that, that would be described as uh, politically incorrect today. I'm talking about a literal condition that Israel or Judah had. Retardation. You say, well, why do you say this? Well, because they were unable, in this instance willingly, to listen to or comprehend the Word of God. Now watch. Look back at Ezekiel chapter 12 in our text. Verse number 2. Ezekiel 12, verse number 2. Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not. How does the Bible describe somebody who has eyes and sees not? Blind? Blind? And how does God describe somebody that has ears to hear and hears not. They are deaf. And so there is a sense of retardation in which they are unable to grasp the message of God. In this instance, they are willfully shutting their eyes to Ezekiel's ministry and God's message to them through Ezekiel's ministry. Now, you you sit here week after week and you have to listen to me. And I don't know what you think of the messages. I don't know if God's using them in your lives. I don't know if you say, 
Ten minutes in, you know, I wish you'd just shut up and sit down. I don't know. Okay? Uh, And so, you perhaps say, well, man, I wish we had a pastor that preached this way. You know, I wish we had a pastor that really made it interesting for us. wish we had a pastor that did this or did that. Hey, Ezekiel was the kind of guy that if you couldn't listen to his message, something was wrong with you. Because God, and we're going to talk about this here in just a few moments, but God God used visual imagery with Ezekiel. He used methods of delivering the message that, that He didn't call many other people to use. The people of Judah would not listen to Ezekiel's message of submission to the Babylonian captivity. This is the same thing that got Jeremiah in trouble. Jeremiah preached as Ezekiel preached. This is the judgment of God. You acquiesce and submit to God's judgment and in 70 years He's going to release us. It will go well for us. They would not submit. Now remember, the Babylonian captivity took place in in three different invasions, right? The first was in 607 B.C. The second was in 597 B.C. Daniel was taken captive in the first invasion in 607. Ezekiel was taken captive in the second invasion in 597. And then the third invasion is when total destruction came to the city of Jerusalem when the city walls were burnt, the city was burnt, and the temple of God was destroyed by fire. You find that recorded in Jeremiah chapter 52, and we're going to read a few of those verses in a little bit. But the point is that Ezekiel is ministering after the second invasion. And God is trying still to get their attention that they need to heed the Word of God and repent of their sins. And yet, what is going on even after the second invasion by Babylon? Judah is still practicing gross idolatry in the settlements of the Jewish exiles in Babylon. The exiles were unaffected. They were not moved to repentance by all that God had done and by the preaching of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, or Daniel. They did not believe that, that, that Judah and J- Jerusalem would actually be destroyed by Babylon. Well, this happened and we withstood it and look, we're still here. It reminds me much of our situation after 9-11. God brings all of this destruction on our country and the legislators are on the steps of the Capitol singing uh, a, a song that gives glory to God and then how are things now? How are things in our country today? You know how things are. We look at it we say, oh, that's been, uh, what was that, 22 years ago, something like that, uh, 2001? Hey, man, look, we're still doing okay. We still have our freedoms. We still are able to do this and do that. Nothing's going to happen. And they resist the preaching of the message of God's Word that this nation needs to repent. This nation needs to quit the rebellion against God. They did not believe the message that Ezekiel preached that they were to submit to the 70-year captivity. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33 and watch the attitude of the people. Ezekiel chapter number 33, and I want you to notice verses 23 through 31. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 23 through 31. 
<coughs> then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes of the land of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one, and he inherited the land, but we are many, the land is given us for inheritance. Do you see what they're saying? Well, nothing's going to happen to this land. This is the land that God wants us to have. This is the land of inheritance. We're not going to submit to the captivity by the Babylonians. All is well. Then notice, Wherefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Ye eat with the blood, and lift up your eyes towards your idols, and shed blood, and shall ye possess the land? Ye stand upon your sword, ye work abomination, and ye defile every one his neighbor's wife, and shall ye possess the land? Say thou thus unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, As I live, surely they that are in the waste shall fall by the sword, and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured, and they that be in the forts and in the caves shall die of the pestilence. For I will lay the land most desolate, and the pomp of her strength shall cease, and the mountains of Israel shall be desolate, that none shall pass through. Then shall they know that I am the Lord. When I have laid the land most desolate, because of all their abominations which they have committed. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, come one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord. Now stop. Do you understand what is happening? God is pronouncing this woe upon Judah. You are going to pay for your rebellion and your idolatry and your egregious, abominable sin. And what do the people do? Now, if, if, God, if God spoke in an audible voice today and said, this nation is going to pay for their sin, you as a believer, would you quake in your shoes? What would your reaction be? You would fall down and, man, we'd, we'd go back to the old practice of mourning in sackcloth and ashes and, and fasting and praying that God would have mercy upon us. This is not the reaction of the people. The people hear this and notice what they say. Hey, let's go to church and hear the preaching. Let's go hear what God has to say. They didn't have any interest in hearing what God had to say. This was all a big show for them. Watch verse 32. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely... Oh, excuse me, let's, let's read the rest of uh, verse 31. Er, no, we stopped at verse 30. Let's read verse 31 through 33. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they set before thee as my people. Now watch. And they hear thy words, but will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. What a horrible situation and condition. The people said, hey, let's go to church and hear Ezekiel. And they went and they heard the prophetic message of doom that God delivered. And they said, ah, this is not going to happen. <coughs> All this is, is it's like going to the theater on Friday or Saturday night. It's just some big performance. This is never going to happen. This is never going to take place. And in fact, they had their own prophets, and we're not going to take time to look at it this morning due to time's sake, but you go back to Ezekiel chapter number 13, 
where they had their own prophets that were prophesying what? Peace. The Lord calls it daubing the wall with untempered mortar. The prophets of the people were preaching peace. Everything's going to be fine. You know what? All we got to do is we just got to elect Joe Biden to four more years and everything's going to be fine in our country. And you sit back and you go, what are these people thinking? What is going on in our nation? And, and the same situation was taking place with Judah. We see the first component, Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness. Then notice the second component. <clears throat> we see Ezekiel's call to serve as a sign. Now this covers verses 3-7. through seven that we read this morning in the opening, in the introduction. Ezekiel's call to serve as a sign. God would use Ezekiel in a unique way to speak to Judah. God was giving Judah another opportunity to repent. Look at verse number 3 of chapter number 12. Therefore thou son of man, prepare thee stuff for removing, and remove by day in their sight, and thou shalt remove from thy place to another place in their sight. Now watch. It may be they will consider, though they be a rebellious house. God, by His mercy and grace, is giving them another opportunity to repent. He is sending Ezekiel to deliver another message by serving as a sign. Now, as this relates to Ezekiel's call to serve as a sign, We have to begin by noting that it was the Lord's method of choice in using Ezekiel. In other words, Ezekiel was used as a sign often. First of all, certainly in this situation. There's no doubt that what God is doing with Ezekiel is using him as a sign. Watch. Look at verse (coughs) 6. In their sight shalt thou bear it upon thy shoulders and carry it forth in the twilight. Thou shalt cover thy face, and thou, that thou see not the ground. For I have set thee for a sign unto the house of Israel. And then verse 11. Say, I am your sign. So, this was the Lord's method of choice in using Ezekiel. First of all, certainly in this situation. But secondly, through symbolic actions. Through symbolic actions. You want to know what is happening here. In chapter number 12, God is speaking to His people using Ezekiel as a sign and Ezekiel accomplishing symbolic actions. Now, what do we know about Ezekiel? We know this. That God often gave Ezekiel strange tasks to perform so that the message would be vividly and shockingly driven home. That's how God used Ezekiel. Watch. Pay attention to this. I'm going to run through these with you. You can jot them down if you have time. Look at them. Do your own research. But think about the different ways that God used Ezekiel through symbolic actions. First of all, Ezekiel actually was called to eat a scroll of writing. Okay, That's found in chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. He was told to draw an outline of Jerusalem on a tile or a large brick, and then he was to pantomime a battle taking place. I mean, he's literally like playing army, 
and, and doing this on this tile and pantomiming it, that was in Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Ezekiel was called to lay on his left side for 390 days and on his right side for 40 days. That's Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. He was called to eat a strange mixture of food and grain that was baked into cakes using animal dung as fuel. And that was found in Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 9 through 17. Ezekiel was called to cut off his hair. And so he cut off a third of his hair and burned it. He chopped off a third of it and scattered it uh, in the wind as a sign of what God was going to do to Jerusalem and Judah. That's found in Ezekiel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. In this chapter, in verse number 18, we see that he is commanded to tremble and shake as he eats his food and drinks his water. And then in chapter number 24, perhaps the most notable way that God used Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel that his wife was going to pass away, the desire of his eyes, she was going to pass away, and he was not to mourn for her. Can you imagine that? These were the different ways that the Lord chose to use Ezekiel in bringing home the message. And so here in chapter number 12, this is not unique. This is how God used Ezekiel. Ezekiel is literally told to serve as a sign in taking stuff for captivity. Now, now that was the Lord's method of using Ezekiel, but now we want to consider the minutia of the sign. The minutia of the sign. In other words, what does all of this mean? Okay, And so first of all, Ezekiel is chosen to be assigned to the nation of Judah or to the, to the kingdom of Judah by first of all moving his possessions. Moving his possessions. What's what is going on in this verse? Very simply, here's what's happening. God tells Ezekiel, <clears throat> you're moving from this house here to this house over here. And so what you're going to do is you're going to go get your stuff and you're going to move your stuff from this place to this place. That's literally what is happening. He was to prepare and move his stuff. Now, what is the Hebrew meaning of the word stuff? It is apparatus. It is an article. It is a vessel. It is an implement. It is a utensil. Now, let me ask you this. What would you take when you are moving from one house to another? Here's the answer. Your stuff. <laughs> like, I gotta go get my do we not say this all the time? I gotta go get my stuff. Okay? When you are moving from one house to another, you're gonna take your stuff with you. You're gonna take your clothes, your furniture, your household goods, your cleansing materials, anything that you need to live by and with, you're gonna take with you. Folks. Literally, God is telling Ezekiel, get your stuff and move it from this house to this house. And guess what? What you are doing is you are serving as a sign to the people of Judah that you are taking your stuff and getting ready for what? Captivity. You are taking stuff for captivity. That's literally the meaning of the message. Anything that somebody would have <clears throat> that would they would take with them into exile that they would need in order to live, 
That's what they were doing. And that's what Ezekiel was doing. And so we see him moving his possessions. But it wasn't just a matter of him moving what he had. It was a matter of him modifying his presence. Because he wasn't supposed to just go get his stuff when he wanted to and move it when he wanted to. He was supposed to do it in the manner that God told him to do it. Now look at verse number 4. I want to show you this. Okay? <coughs> look at verse 4. Then shalt thou bring forth thy stuff by day in their sight, as stuff for removing, and thou shalt go forth at even in their sight. Now watch. As they that go forth into captivity. You know what I believe this means? I believe, remember... God uses Ezekiel in some unique ways. Okay? I believe what God is saying to Ezekiel is, when you're moving your stuff, I want you to literally move your stuff as though you are going into exile. Okay? Now, they're already, they're already in exile, but not as bad as it's going to get. Okay? <clears throat> At this point, they're still able to live in their own homes. They're able to enjoy uh, the the uh, the freedoms that they had, they were just under Babylonian rule. But there's coming a time when they're going to be picked up and taken away, right? And so, imagine if if today word came down that we must all go live in a concentration camp in rural Missouri, and we're giving you an hour to get your stuff. What would your face look like? Would you be going, oh man, yeah, let's prepare for the journey. We get to go to we get to go to some place in Missouri out in the middle of nowhere. We don't know where it's at, but yeah, you know, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. You would not have that attitude. Can you imagine what the Jews went through when Hitler was in power? And I say the Jews, there were other uh, groups of people affected by what Hitler and the Nazis did. But this was not a joyous occasion. God tells Ezekiel, when you get your stuff for captivity, I want you to move it as though you are going into captivity. This would mean that Ezekiel would demonstrate sadness, distress, anger, worry, all of those things. Can you imagine you're walking down the street and here's this guy moving his stuff. And he looks like the weight of the world's on his shoulders. Hey, what are you doing? Well, guess what? That's exactly what happened. The people of Judah said, Hey, what are you doing? And we're going to talk about that in a moment. So he modifies his presence. And then he is making a picture of what is going to happen. We see this in verse number 5 where he's told to dig through the wall. In verse number 5, Dig thou through the wall in their sight and carry out thereby. Literally what he's doing... And imagine this, right? So, so let's say we get done with services today, and instead of going to the door to go out, you go over and you start making holes in the in the sheetrock, and you're you're making a hole so you can escape out that way. And somebody says, "Well, what are you what are you doing?" What Ezekiel literally was doing is he was showing the way that. Zedekiah, the king of Judah, was going to have to leave Jerusalem. They were literally going to have to escape through the city walls. I'm going to show that to you in just a little bit. So he's he's digging through the walls. It was em, emblematic of 
Jerusalem being besieged and there's no way to escape except by digging through the walls. And then notice that he's told to do it blindly. In verse number 6, it says here, uh, In their sight shalt thou bear it upon thy shoulders and carry it forth in the twilight. Thou shalt cover thy face that thou see not the ground, for I have set thee for a sign unto the house of Israel. And so literally this, this signifies the shame in being taken captive and looking down. But also it had regard to how King Zedekiah was literally going to be carried out of the land. You know how he was carried out? His eyes were put out by Nebuchadnezzar and the king of Babylon. We're going to look at that here in just a moment. And so we see in this that uh, Ezekiel is, is, is showing by this sign that the Lord has called him to do that, you know what, we're going captive. It's going to get much worse. You have rejected the word of the Lord. You have closed your ears. You have been a rebellious house. And there's a payday coming. That leads us to the third component. And we see this component in verses 8 through 16. And it sounds daunting, these many verses, but we won't be long in covering this. Here we see God's commitment to His specified sentence. God's commitment to His specified sentence. Now watch. God had pronounced judgment by the Babylonian captivity. It had already started. There had already been two incursions by Babylon into the land of Judah and Jerusalem. And they're still not getting it. And so, God says to Judah, through using Ezekiel as a sign, you're not going to escape this. This is going to happen. Do you know that it would do us well as the children of the Lord to understand that this book that we hold in our hands is true? And what God says is going to come to pass. If you die and your sins are not covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you've never repented of your sins and trusted in Christ as your Savior you are going to spend an eternity in hell. That is not a, that's not a, 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 a brimstone, hell and fire message to try to scare people. That is the reality of what this word says. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You must come to Christ or you will die in your sins. It isn't Buddha. It isn't Mormonism. It isn't the Bhagavad Gita or whatever else book you want to look at. This is the reality. This is the truth. And you know what else is the truth? All nations that forget God at some point are destroyed. And Judah could say, you know what? We're God's chosen people and we can do what we want because God loves us. And they were wrong. They could not do what they wanted. They rebelled against God and God says, you know what, you can, do, you can do whatever you want, but this is going to happen. God is not like parents that, that threaten and say, if you do this, this is going to happen. And then they count to one and two and two and a quarter and two and a half and two and three quarters and two and seven eighths and oh, two and fifteen sixteenths. You know, uh, don't make me keep my word. God is not like that. God doesn't threaten. God says, 
this is what is going to happen. I'm giving you space to repent. If you don't, this will take place. And Judah said, ah, it's not going to happen. And God is showing His commitment to His specified sentence. Now watch. Let's begin reading in verse number 8. And in the morning came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, hath not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said unto thee, What doest thou? Can you just imagine it? Here's Ezekiel taking his stuff from this location to this location. And he's in distress. And perhaps maybe he's angrier. Maybe he's like Jeremiah and he's in tears over knowing what's coming. And the people look at him and say, What are, what are you doing? What is your problem? What doest thou? And then verse 10, Say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, This burden concerneth the prince in Jerusalem, that's Zedekiah the king, and all the house of Israel that are among them. Say, I am your sign. Like as I have done, so shall it be done unto them. They shall remove and go into captivity. And the prince that is among them shall bear upon his shoulder in the twilight and shall go forth. They shall dig through the wall to carry out thereby. He shall cover his face that he see not the ground with his eyes. My net also will I spread upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare, and I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind all that are about him to help him, and all his bands, and I will draw out the sword after them. Do you see what God's doing? He's saying that the sign of Ezekiel carrying his stuff for captivity from this location to this location, it represented the removal of King Zedekiah of Judah and the people that would be taken from their own land in, at the final invasion by Babylon in 586 B.C. that this would take place. He is teaching that Zedekiah and the people of the Jews would be taken in like manner as Ezekiel has carried his stuff. They're going to have to try to escape through the city wall by digging holes in the city wall. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar put the eyes of Zedekiah out so that Zedekiah could not see. And you know what? Guess what? Go figure. It actually happened. Turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 52 and bear with me, we're almost done. Jeremiah chapter number 52, just two books back. Jeremiah chapter 52, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Watch, verse number 1. Jeremiah 52 verse 1. Zedekiah was one and twenty year old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah, till he had cast them out from his presence, that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came. He and all his army against Jerusalem and pitched against it and built forts against it round about. So the city was besieged under the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And in the fourth month and the ninth day of the month, the famine was so sore in the city so that there was no bread for the people of the land. Now watch verse 7 in particular. Then the city was broken up and all the men of war fled and went forth out of the city by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden. Now the Chaldeans were by the city round about, and they went by the way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued after the king and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they took the king and carried him up unto the king of Babylon to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. 
Watch. And the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He slew all the princes of Judah and Riblah. Then he put out the eyes of Zedekiah. And the king of Babylon bound him in chains and carried him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death. Now we're not going to read the rest of the chapter because of the length, but you'll find that in the rest of the chapter the city of Jerusalem is burnt and the temple of God is burnt and the vessels of God are carried forth into uh, Babylon to be used in the service of their false gods. This commitment that God has in His specified sins and that which He had already announced it was reinforced, reinforced in Ezekiel's sign. And then lastly, I want you to see this. All of this reiterated God's glory and His rule over Judah. Look at verses 15 and 16 in Ezekiel chapter 12, and we'll be done. Ezekiel chapter 12, verses 15 and 16. And they shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall scatter them among the nations and disperse them in the countries. But I will leave a few men of them from the sword, from the famine, and from the pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the heathen, whether they come, and they shall know that I am the Lord. This is reiterating God's glory. God's commitment to His specified sense. It's reinforced through Ezekiel's sign. It reiterates God's glory and His rule over Judah. What an interesting passage. For the Bible student that wants to really get into the Word of God, stuff for captivity is deep treading and plowing for the child of God. God says, I'm going to use Ezekiel in this way. He's going to be a sign. He's going to carry stuff for captivity from this house to this location. And when he does it, he's going to do it like he's going into exile. And the people see it and say, what is this guy doing? What I'm doing, God's going to do to you. He's going to do to us. So what do you think the right thing would have been for the people of Judah to do? How about fall on their face and say, Oh, Lord, woe is me. I am a man of unclean and undone lips. Lord, have mercy upon us. By Your grace, sustain us. Lord, trouble our hearts and our souls that we have no peace until we are right with You. And yet, what did they do? This guy's a nut. He's just a nut, man. Who would listen to this guy? This guy, look what this guy's doing. By the way, this is the guy that, that laid on his side for 390 days. He's just about nutcase. Well, Ezekiel was called of God to minister to Judah during the captivity. It was going to get worse for them. Read Jeremiah 52. We looked at three components of Ezekiel's mission in taking stuff for captivity. Judah's condition shown by their sinfulness. Ezekiel's call to serve as a sign. And God's commitment to his specified sentence. Mark this down. What God says, goes. What he says he will do, he will do. God gives space for repentance. May we as God's people examine our own lives. Where is it needed in my life? How can I pray for my nation, for my church, for my family, that God might have mercy upon us and continue to sustain us as He sees fit? Ezekiel was called to serve as a sign to take stuff for captivity. Let's pray.